0: It's
1: Mark and Pete.
0: Hello and welcome to the show. More colourful conversations with Mark and Pete. This is the show dedicated to religion, politics and business. Today we will debate Thou Shalt Not Kill. It seems that every time I turn on the television or listen to the radio another killing occurs, whether that's in a war zone, whether that's on the high street or whether that is something that we see in the home, ironically. And yet why is this? Why are we seeing more and more killings pouring out of our society? Is this a trend? Are we actually seeing more of this? Or is this just simply a media frenzy where people are actually reporting more and more on killing fields? So with me today is clergyman Pete. So Pete, I'd ask you a simple question. Thou shalt not kill, but is this a growing trend? Well it does seem to be
1: real. I mean, the if you look back at, uh, at reports over the years, uh, um, we can see it just seems like an increased frequency of large-scale killing. I mean, y- yes, you could say that uh, there's a, a greater... Reporting of uh, uh, salacious uh, gossip and killing because of the growth of the internet. Uh, the, you, the, there's more and more need to to get more and more content because there's so many news websites. But we're talking about large-scale events, you know, that, that would have been reported anyway. Uh, on the newspapers and the existing media, so uh, i don 't think that argument holds water that, that they've just been reporting more. What I can see is uh, that we are having a trend towards more violence on a large scale. I guess you could say that um, uh, killing sprees
0: and genocide are the fashion of the time. Yes. It's extraordinary though, isn't it? That It seems to be that the way that the media are portraying it, that this is a religious issue. But is it? I mean, for example, is it fueled more around politics? We're seeing things from killing fields, whether that's the incident recently in Tunisia where tourists innocently going out to a beautiful part of the world suddenly finding themselves in this atrocious situation where people are either severely injured or, of course, losing their lives. Right the way through to other parts of the world, where in Charleston, South Carolina, you know nine people died just simply from going to a house of worship. And yet we've also seen that killings have occurred even on the streets of London. Uh, Lee Rigby um, being a classic example where he was hacked down uh, by a, a fanatic and, and lost his life. And, and so really at all different levels, we're seeing these atrocities occur. But it's not just about religion, is it?
1: No, it's not just about religion. No, but uh, we can see just from the examples that you gave, which you know covered the the, the whole range of different types of atrocity we've seen, uh, large scale ones. You know, an individual uh, in the case of Lee Rigby, but in a very high profile uh, case because it was reported widely on the media, because it was on a public high street and you know very unusual and would have been reported anyway, as I pointed out before. Um, it's you know it's not something that's just been highlighted it was a terrible case not just something that happens to be reported more of because of the growth in the alternative media it's, it's it, now that example well we could say there was a religious um, element to that but also political because he was a soldier so it, it was a yes. case of trying to make a statement against uh, uh, the, the use of, of, of British military in certain countries in the world now, uh, and the, now, the other examples you go, let's take the example of the killings um, in, in a church. Now, those killings that, to which you were referring were done avowedly by the perpetrator to try and incite racial hatred. So yeah. that was, again, a political move, not a religious move. It was done in a church, but it wasn't uh, done for religious reasons. It was done for political uh, reasons, admittedly rather uh, distorted and hideous, political reasons, but political reasons nonetheless. So, I think if we go through all of the incidents we've seen, often there is a religious element. Always there seems to be a political element.
0: Yes. Well, I think that one of the things that I'd like to sort of uh, highlight here is is that it, it seems that, as I mentioned at the start of the program, that um, you know whether you're reading the national newspapers or you do happen to log on to your favorite uh, news channel, that there does seem to be some issue occurring with by week, and I guess the question then is what is fueling this trend not just in one particular war zone where typically you know uh, you would sort of uh, accept that there would be killings uh, in a war zone, but it's the fact that it now is occurring in shopping centers as we've seen in, in places in Africa, right the way through to, to other uh, places uh, as we mentioned on the high street. So these are, these are the things that really make you question about what's happening to society. So I have a, I've written a little poem, which is mm-hmm. just actually sort of gives what might be going on there, and just to pose a little thought. This is a poem called The Killer Question. The world of silence breaks to a piercing sound of rapid violence. Sadism deforms the human soul. What are the consequences when we lose self-control? Anger persists with strong clenched fists. One pack punch kills man dead. Why can't diplomacy succeed instead? A wielded knife cuts down a life. Deepest sympathies to the innocent of an unspeakable act. Yet how so many more victims will continue to be attacked. One squeezed trigger and the issue gets bigger. Hundreds mourn many in mindless massacre shooting. With gun crime increasing... Why is respect for life swiftly diluting? A released canister of chemical gases quickly suffocates en masse. High concentrations of chemicals kill the lungs. How can mankind speak of genocide with such poisoned tongues? When values are vile, watch evil smile. Terrorists' torment grows like an incurable cancer. So the big question, God, what is the answer? Mm.
1: Yes, I mean it's, it's interesting that we you know, you're, you're sort of highlighting there an evil spiritual element and you know it does seem to be that that if you have an increase in violence uh, fatal violent acts um, in all different spheres you know yeah yeah there's always seems to be a political element but why violent now and not previously? Because those um, the, the politics of the world hasn't changed that much. You know, the racial hatreds have been around, the different uh, religions have largely been around for years and years. Why now? It does seem that there's yeah. some sort of um, spiritual, dark spiritual move. With, you know, without trying to isolate it too much, because what we're seeing is uh, disparate. Uh, but violent acts and disparate movements which incorporate violence and yet they're converging in that they're all doing the same thing they're killing people publicly unashamedly and sometimes in large numbers and and in 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 rather hideous ways you know it's not you're not just seeing people um, as if that's better just being shot you're seeing people being decapitated you're uh, seeing people uh in 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 the case of one a cartoonist uh in the in um in scandinavia being stabbed through the heart um and uh sort of pinned to the ground you know it, it's um it, it just seemed to be that there is a dark spiritual move but in, in in saying that of course that's not really saying anything new i mean we're aware that there are dark spiritual forces the Bible talks about the devil being uh, our opponent uh, yep. in, in trying to work for good. So I guess we're just, we're just seeing that, but seeing it acted out on the world stage. You know, we're seeing it, 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 uh, this dark spiritual force being manifest.
0: Well, the question really here is, is that again, what is the answer? I mean, so again, the pastiche of all these, you know, huge headlines that one sees pouring out, of course, uh, across the media, as I sort of referenced. But but what is really sort of fueling this? And I sort of get a sense that uh, the world is under tremendous pressures. Governments, for example, have been seen uh, have suffered terribly with the crisis in the economy. Of course, that puts enormous pressure on businesses and people, people losing their jobs, people turning to debt for tax. So we're sort of seeing that kind of dynamic as well as we're seeing conflict um, through religion. But I think that really if you look at that underlying um, uh, challenge, it is about the political landscape because if you sort of take away the veneer where people are uh, in the media sort of positioning these atrocities as a Religious killings. Yes, I suppose in some ways that there may be examples of that. People have, uh, you know, been subject to um, the radical, radicalism, and there's some extremists that are out there. However. The one thing that does seem to be happening is this: this, this dynamics of the uh, the political landscape. We've seen yes. that uh, certainly over the last 10-15 to 15 years, where uh, let's be let's be frank. I mean, with some of the atrocities uh, that have occurred in war zones in the Middle East, um, in Afghanistan, and so on, have been politically um, uh, challenging. I mean, Britain mm. in particular, with its uh, with its act to go into uh, the likes of Iraq. Uh, um, and and even the pressures to try and start now, um, uh, as we've seen in recent times, for for Britain to start to to take acts in Syria. Um, These are political acts and as a result, if we like, the the consequence is that the the people are the ones who are suffering and as a result, we tend to see the the end result of these atrocities and we tend to sort of blame religion when really, actually, we need to go to the source of the problem. So I guess the question really is the cause, not the symptom.
1: Yes, well, I, I, I can see, however, that the cause is wrapped up in different worldviews uh, of which a religious worldview is one of them. Um, I really see two big competing ideologies one of which is Islam and what is often called radical Islam but uh, as I think we've noted before Mark and Peter radicalism actually you mean fundamentalist Islam that is people who are getting to the heart of the Muslim message uh, from the Quran which uh, demands that there's absolute submission Islam itself means submission to Sharia law, and that all the all the world should, you know, at least that's the aim. All the world should be under Sharia law. So there's a strong urge to take over the world. There's a, there's a political aim there as part of the worldview, and we also see them uh, having very strong uh, sense of morality again drawn from the Quran. Particularly, you know, certain ideas about sexual morality, and they are completely at odds with the other strain that I'm going to talk about—the other competing worldview, which I would loosely, you know, it doesn't doesn't have an official name, but I would loosely call it um, leftism, if our American friends tend to call it that, or um, I suppose here in Britain we call it secular liberalism or post-Christian liberalism. Yes. So they've abandoned their Christian faith. In fact, they are a bit uh, um, embarrassed about it, other than you know some of its trappings. And what they do is they have very strong beliefs that they know best, that they're, uh, although they may not think of it in these terms, their development of the Enlightenment in Europe where people believe that science has found the way and that they are the inheritance of this science. And they're embarrassed and ashamed of their colonialist past, which they Equate with their religious past, although that, of course, isn't true in itself. That's a misreading of history. Yeah. But that's another point. Uh, the the uh, the thing about such uh, leftists or secular liberalists or post-Christian liberalists is that they are completely at odds with the the lifestyle, the morality, especially the sexual morality, of Islam. So you've got the two two completely at loggerheads. And all, and what you have in the liberal, uh, the liberal secular liberalists is that they want to force everyone else to believe and behave like them. so in that way, they're the same as the, as the Muslims, but they see themselves as very different. In fact, they see yeah. themselves as so caring. That they think that all religions are the same, including islam they you, you can believe that if you believe that as you want, as long as you only believe it privately and publicly, you believe what we believe and do what so, do whatever we say so it 's a sort of a, a double thing going on there, as you know highlighted in the the uh book and movie nineteen eighty four which George Orwell looked at this trend and what he was talking about communism it 's the same sort of idea, this thought police, you 've got to think in this way. Because that's the most caring thing, and we love you they've yeah. got to think in this way, and so these two competing ideologies are fighting it out, and they are both wrong, you know because on the one side you have extreme control on the other side you've got uh extreme outward control from islam uh from you've from the uh leftists you've got extreme mind control, and you and the two are fighting it out. which which we liberty to think for ourselves. uh, I say we want that. That's what should be the case. You should be able to think for yourself, make your own decision. That isn't either of these two ideologies. And they're fighting it out and people get caught up in the middle of these two extremely violent, aggressive ideologies. In fact, I would say of the two, the... the, um, worldview of which in the countries of which we're a part, the uh, liberal liberal left of, um, of Britain and America and Europe, they are the most extreme. People have to not only be killed, they have to then be converted to our way of thinking and have a liberal mm. democracy, or they're not, you know, effectively not real people. They need to be wiped out. And yes. The, the you know it seems strange, really are they really like that because they seem so caring they say they're caring, but just look at you know the Iraq war for one example, extreme measures taken, toppling of a regime because it's not thinking and behaving in the way that we the the, the secular liberalists think that you should and yeah. I don't see it uh, don't see it getting any better. I think that they're getting more and more hard line.
0: Well I mean I mean, I think you've encapsulated uh, the challenge there that again what we're seeing is, is this political conflict that on the one hand whatever your ideals are the, the, the point being is, is that um, you have to accept um, that people do run their societies in different ways and of course if we typically um, find that uncomfortable um, you, we, we tend to sort of react in a certain way and, and I know from personal experience having been brought up in, in uh, West and Europe, and then, but at the same time, actually lived and worked in the Middle East, and you can't get much more of a of a contrast there. I can safely say that if you first encounter that cultural shock there is the instinct reaction to say this is wrong, this is not how we do it this is not how you should do it and then suddenly you have to step back and say wait a minute wait a minute, let's go in with open mind, maybe maybe actually um, you could learn something and from my experience um, really the challenge is is that, um, I've mentioned this before on previous shows, it's that lack of understanding and lack of communication ironically I personally found that uh, working in the Middle East I learned and an awful lot of positive things. Um, some of which I think that the West could learn and should adopt. Um, uh, you know, almost like instantly. I mean, family values, for example. I mean, there's a, yes. there's a lot of emphasis on that. Um, let's n- let's not be um, you know beat about the, the bush on this. Uh, really, particularly Britain itself um, doesn't have exactly the greatest of track records when it comes to family values. Think of the high divorce rate, underage, um, yeah, you know, um, pregnancies, etc., and it goes on. And and typically we sort of. Sort of gloss over that very easily, um, particularly with the media. but I think my point really is is that in, in many ways is that what you see is that eventually you adapt and you, you actually uh, those who are, uh, adopt a, a, an open mind start to embrace the best of effectively you have this amalgamation, and the amalgamation works very well if you start to adopt and understand. I think what typically happens where there is conflict is that people haven't really understood one another's position. And I do agree with the point that you're saying is that whichever side you you happen to uh, sit with. Is that really you have to understand that other point of view. Otherwise what will happen is, is that you will get so indoctrinated in a certain way of thinking that you're not able to see the bigger picture. And, and I, and I know that typically that when I came back to uh, Western Europe, uh, the stark realities of some of the problems living in Britain were so evident to me that it was obvious that perhaps um, you could see the other point of view. Um, and again, that's not changing religion. In fact, it's not even a religious point. It's actually just simply about common values. Um, I, I was quite um, taken by a recent interview that was conducted um, by Hard Talk, and it was on um, uh, Nick Wilson, the... Um, the, the the guy who um who basically helped to nurture a lot of Jews from away from the um uh the uh, the atrocities in um in the second world war basically he was interviewed and one of the things that was uh, um was was brought out was the fact that in bad ethics and the interviewer asked him what do you mean about standards of living and he said well it doesn't matter really about what what your religion is uh, etc but it's all about standards it's about ethics and values and I guess that comes back to the, the point of the show which is that thou shalt not kill why is it that certain people Feel that they have to cross the line to kill. I mean, I'm going to give it on a different level here, and I'll just sort of cite a, a recent example, which shows it on another but rather sad tale of a man who got himself into terrible debt. His name was Eric Rudd. This is a well-known um, case that occurred here in the United Kingdom. Basically, um, he decided for some bizarre reason uh, to get himself out of this situation. He bludgeoned his father to death and strangled his mother, and it was initially positioned as though this was a heinous crime committed by people outside of the family. It was discovered that actually, fortunately, their son, um, Martin, had, uh, had actually killed them. Uh, and this was really simply because um, uh, the you know, basically, um, he wanted to get himself out of debt, he would have inherited something like 80,000 pounds, which I know seems like a, a lot of money, but in the scale of things, was it really worth it? And he was prepared to take a life. And the question then really is, is that why do people want to cross the line for something like that? And this goes back to some of the things that we've said about, you know, the basic standards. Okay, this is specific to, um, Christianity, which is this concept of thou shalt not kill. But it actually, if you look again into other religions, they all say the same thing, thou shalt not kill. Yes. I mean, they, they,
1: they do have that, an element of that. I mean, I would say that. Christianity goes a little bit further in the what it would say is you shouldn't even be killing your enemies, and this this is a departure from what other religions say, and that's why you know I see that Christianity has that um, just that element of truth. We see um, a problem in the world, and we see how Christianity deals with it, how the teachings of Jesus deal with it. And it's different. It's more radical, but it actually deals with the problem. Uh, uh, let me let me give you the example of violence that we've been talking about through this episode. An episode happened to Jesus. Of course, he died violently, as is well known. Now he chose to do it in that he chose to go along with it, and it's uh, at the heart of the Christian message: the fact that he did die. But at the point when he was going to be arrested and taken off to be killed, his followers were surrounding him, and it was normal in that sort of society without a, a strong police force to carry either a stick or a sword with you to fend off robbers or others that might attack you and his followers had just one sword had a, or maybe a couple of swords between them and when, they, when the people came to uh, take Jesus away uh, to his mock trial uh, those who with one of those with Jesus reached out and drew out his sword and struck one of the people this is matthew 26 verse fifty one and then Jesus says to him, "Put your sword back in its place for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword and that phrase that those who live by the sword die by the sword it's usually said has become um, a phrase a well-known saying and it's it's a fundamental truism that you can't cross that line. If you start yeah. going down the down the road of using violence, it's going to end in disaster for you. You've crossed a line that shouldn't be crossed. And so you yeah. have to even put up with injustice. You have to put up with, in this case, it's a great injustice of Jesus himself being killed because you realize that if you cross that line, it's a slippery slope and you won't be able to pull your claw your way back up you see Jesus goes on to say the reason that you know you don't need to do this because this is Luke um, sorry Matthew 26 verse 53 do you think that I can't appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels his father being God of course he's meaning God by that now uh, his father being you know relationally his father not physically his father we're talking about God a spiritual relationship and we're talking about angels, spiritual beings. So what he's saying is that you never need to go down the route of physical violence, of physically killing people, attacking people. You know, obviously you need to do it in. It may need to do it in defence of the realm and that sort of thing. But you don't need to do it in order to propagate your project or your way of life. What you need is spiritual weapons. They're the ones that succeed. And he was right because. Without any physical attack, in fact, rather being physically attacked, the Christians took over the the Roman Empire, the the super the one superpower of the time, by conversion, you yes. know, by people changing, by spiritually people changing and uh, uh, personally, and then the whole of society changing to become a Christian empire, and that's the way forward. I think that's a key thing. Yes, all religions do have these things about not killing, and that's good. There's, I, I believe there is good in all the religions that I'm aware of. But there's this f- fundamental and crucial thing that Jesus teaches. Don't cross that line. Use spiritual, moral weapons. Use persuasion. And mm-hmm. in that way, in doing that, you're going to win through in the end, and you're not going to go down that slippery slope where violence comes back to get you and takes away all the advances that you've made.
0: Yes, and I think that that's an important uh, point to mention in this uh, this show. Um, and the poem that I read out, albeit a provocative uh, title of the killer question, I mean, ultimately the call out uh, was to God. You know, what is the answer? But you've given the the important uh, answer there that if you if you think before you act look at the consequence, it's consequence as well, it's not just to to those who would be your victims, but it's yourself and uh, look inwardly look outwardly, look all around and you, you are quite right that actually, ironically, there are better solutions than simply wielding a knife or pulling a trigger um, and, uh, and, or even pushing a button to, to set up a bomb. These are the sort of things that um, we're seeing day to day but I guess my, my, what would be your conclusion to anyone out there now who would be perhaps even contemplating some kind of atrocity? I mean uh, what, what would be the, 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 the killer answer Well
1: well, you see I I would take the phrase the ends justify the means and say no that's not true the ends don't justify the means uh, in that you know if you want to get to a certain place by using violence it's not justified by the fact that the end that you're looking at is good or the aim that you're looking at is good but more than that if you use the wrong means the end will be obliterated and so you think you've achieved something but you haven't it's uh using violence uh is like you know effectively cutting off a great piece of wood from a from a tree and then realizing you're sitting on the branch that's what happens when you turn to violence
0: think again yes. Yeah, very good words. Okay, listener, so, you know, we've come to the end of the show. We welcome your input about what do you think on the subject of thou shalt not kill. Why not drop us a line? Uh, log on to www.markandpete.com and fill out the contact form and let us know your opinions on this important subject. Join us again next time for more colourful conversations with Mark and Pete.